Hello and welcome to the Tool Assisted Podcast. This is your host, The 8-Bit Beast, and today is the 17th of July, 2019. Today I'm talking with Colin, also known as EasyGame69, and we're talking specifically about Splatterhouse, but he's done a whole range of other games. So Colin, tell us a bit about yourself. Hello ladies and gents, this is EasyScape69. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, I've actually gotten that like once or twice, um, before where people have like confused me for, uh, EasyScape and, uh, <laughs> wait, so you're not EasyScape? Oh. No, no, I, I don't, I'm not handsome. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, um, my name is Colin. I'm, uh, EasyGame69 and, uh, I do a lot of, uh, different games, um, including Splatterhouse. Um, I just thought that Slaughterhouse was a pretty neat series because um, it's not every day you get to find games back in the uh, back in the 16-bit era that were as gory as Slaughterhouse was. So, especially with the uh, violence in video games uh, uh, controversies going on with the creation of the ESRB. So, it's pretty, it's, it's a very interesting series, uh, in my opinion, where. It's a game series where it just seems like um, the developers do not care about public perception, and they just wanted to make something that was really rad and very violent, and, that, and that's what I liked about it. Mm. And it didn't really come up in the court trials about violent games much, did it? Surprisingly. Well, actually, I think it did. I think um, they mentioned Splatterhouse 3, and one of the ads for Splatterhouse 3 has actually joked that um, it was the type of games that video game rating systems were invented for. And <laughs> and it and and it did end up getting featured like slightly in the Senate hearing, but it was only to like read off um, some of the lists that the that the advertisement showed, where it's like um, so they read off uh, a little bit of the advertisement for Splatterhouse 3. They basically just said like um, they had these bullet points on the advertisement that said it featured deadly new weapons, six levels of monster bashing mayhem, and killer special moves. And then <laughs> wow. that was the and that was the that was all that Splatterhouse received on that Senate hearing. And honest, and the other the other thing that's interesting, um, I mean, this whole series has like a lot of interesting things when it comes to. Uh, um, when it comes to video game rating systems, like it was one of the first games in North America to really have a warning on the front of the cover that said, this game is not meant for children. Like Splatterhouse one, for example, um, it said something like, uh, the following game is, is not suitable for young children and cowards. <laughs> wow. And then, uh, Splatterhouse two had, had a similar, um, warning on the front but it, it, it didn't have the end cowards part which i'm kind of sad about i imagine that would almost entice some children to try and buy it as well exactly i mean it was it was one of those like edgy games to buy and the, the other the other interesting thing is that um when sega actually had their own rating system like this was like before the esrb i believe um it was, it was a voluntary rating system that they had um they gave splatterhouse 3 um, and MA-13 rating, but that wasn't the highest rating that a game could get. It was, like, more of a teen rating for... for it's the equivalence of, like, a T rating in, in the ESRB. Mm. And I, I don't know what a 
don't know what rating system you have, but uh, usually that just means like 13 in the US. Yeah, ours is all over the place. <laughs> we don't even have a 13. Uh, okay. Um, but anyway, uh, it had MA-13, which wasn't the highest for Sega at the time. The highest was MA-17, and that was given to uh, the games like uh, like Mortal Kombat. And there's there another shooter game, I can't remember the name of it. It was one where you where you just shoot people in the streets. It was like I think I think it was a game that was also showing at the Senate hearing as well. Mm. I think a big thing that they made a big deal of is that you're never actually hurting any humans in Splatterhouse. That was how they got away with a lot of it. Well, I mean, technically there are humans, but they're just not like people humans. They're they're like possessed by demon spirits or something like that. They're they're zombies basically. Um, I feel like Splatterhouse 3 in general is probably the creepier game because, I mean, there's just to name one boss from the, from the game, there's this one in, uh, in level three where a teddy bear gets, uh, possessed by a ghost and it starts attacking you. And it's like, it has like all this, uh, baby, babyfied music, um, like, like chimes in the background. And it was really creepy to, to to fight. Not only that, but it also has like this really creepy laugh too. Like, <laughs> I, it's like I don't think this is meant to be MA thirteen. I think this must be. I think this is supposed to be like MA seventeen. What the heck are you doing, Sega? Mm, who knows? A classic Sega, <laughs> or S- Sega, I should say. Sega. <laughs> Sega. Sega. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we delve too much into Splatterhouse, um, like, how did you even get into gaming? What were you playing growing up? And speedrunning as well. Um, well, one of the first games I remember playing was uh, was Pokemon. I think it was uh, either gold or, or silver. I can't remember which one it was. But I remember um, like I was very young in my kitchen, and my brother was playing this like little weird box. Um, in his hand, and I was like, what the heck is that? And it was Pokemon, and I was, I, I didn't really have a concept of gaming at the time, I mean, granted, it was the first experience, so, but I always, like, remembered, uh, taking my brother's, uh, uh, Pokemon game and always, like, restarting it, just because I kind of liked the uh, intro to it, although I would never, I, w- I did not know how to save the game, so it's not like I was, uh, over, over saving his file. Which I'm pretty sure he'd be very upset about. It's it's the worst feeling in the world to lose a save in Pokemon. Oh, I think I accidentally deleted my brother's save a few times. Ah, <laughs> uh, were, were you restarting it? Were you restarting it for the same reason I was doing it? Uh, I think I like. No, I think I played his Pokemon game, and then it just so happened that that day the battery also went flat in it, so he thought that I'd broken it. Maybe I did delete his save. I've definitely deleted his saves on a few games. Maybe not Pokemon, but yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So Pokemon was like your first intro. I guess you were probably born like, what, late 90s then? Something around there? Yeah, around 1997, yeah. Yeah, around 1997. Yeah, same. <laughs> so how did you end up knowing about all these old games then? Because I've seen you Taz a lot of like TurboGrafx-16 stuff. Well, I don't really... Most of the games that I do, it's not really exactly games I've grown up with. Um, it, it's just games that I find interesting, especially for the time that they were made in. Um, mm. 
there are a few there are a few uh, old games I do remember because I didn't really have an SNES growing up, um, but I do have experience or I do have memories of an of playing the SNES because I had a cousin that lived in Pennsylvania. I live in Michigan for reference, so whenever every time I go to uh, his house, I would always play like the Lion King and uh, and Super Mario World, and also. <laughs> Um, he had a copy of, uh, Mortal Kombat and I would always play it, but I was never like, I, I, I don't even think I was ever like scared by the gore in there. I was just kind of like, Whoa, that's so rad. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think I had a few of those games as well. And it never really even occurred to me as something that would have been so controversial, I suppose. But yeah, I don't know. It was probably more influential when everyone was talking about it, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably it's probably just because like it's not the, the game isn't. I, I, I guess this is weird to say because it, it is like a violent game, but I don't think it's because. I, I think it's because the game isn't really like obviously gory. It's it's it has like blood and effects and stuff like that, but it's but the only time you really see like the like like the, like the true gore of the game is when you do the uh the fatalities which i never really knew how to do much of it was always like my cousin that always showed me how to do it yeah and the concerned parents wouldn't know how either <laughs> yeah and and even then like um i was just like whoa that's really cool but i feel like i mean have you seen the, the more recent uh mortal kombat games where they actually look like realistically violent like oh, I feel like really. I, I, I think it's called Mortal Kombat X or something like that. <laughs> it um wow, it is much more violent. And I'm pretty sure I would be freaked out by if I was a kid. I got freaked out as a kid when I when I watched YouTube videos of Elmo dolls being on fire. So my standards were pretty low at the time. Well, when you're a kid, you it's like that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, maybe you know you know what. Maybe it's because, like, um, there wasn't any sort of image that I could relate to. Because, I mean, you as a kid, you could probably relate to Elmo being, like, this really cute uh, character. And then to, like, see him engulfed in flames, that would probably uh, terrify you. Oh, I'm sure it would. Since Mortal Kombat is more adult-themed, like, throughout the entire game, it probably didn't bug me as much. Because it's like, oh, nothing here feels out of place. This is all purposely... Like, yeah, like, it's not like this. Not creepy. Yeah. Ah, oh, I reckon we had like this talking SpongeBob doll that we accidentally left out in the rain, and then all the voice was garbled and, <laughs> and creepy. Oh, yeah, man. And then the dog like chewed it up, so it was just this messed up SpongeBob doll. Oh man. Yeah, that's probably similar to your Elmo <laughs> Elmo thing, I'd say. Oh. So, have you ever seen the video of the talking fish on the wall? That has like a really low battery. The what? <laughs> do, do, what? Do you know? Do you know the talking the, fish? Have you never had these? They're they were like. So do you know how like whenever you like catch a fish, you would like um, put it up on a wall as like a trophy? Yeah. There, there there's like, oh yeah, I know the type of fish. Yeah, there's like this toy that like if you walk by it or like press a button, it sings to you, and <laughs> every time it, it it like starts to sing, it like lifts its head up. And then just moves its mouth, but there's a video of that toy. But like the 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 uh, I'm sorry, 
the uh, battery life is like so low that when it starts singing, it's just like, uh, put me in the water. <laughs> but then, like, but then, like, when it stopped singing, it just like went back, went back to normal. But every time it like started singing, it like turned into like this really demon like sound effect. It was like really funny. <laughs> I gotta show it to you sometime after this. <laughs> oh man. So many things that are intended for like fun times, but it end up being really creepy. Ugh. Yeah, we have this um we have this town called like Murray Bridge in Australia, and it has this thing called the Bunyip, which is um, it was like a Aboriginal Dreamtime story of this monster, and like uh, I forget what the monster did. It kind of like punished bad people for some reason, I think. But anyway, they have this attraction, which is like you put a coin in, and then the monster comes up out of the water slowly, and it's like a town that's on a river, and yeah, it makes this really loud noise and freaks you out. And people like take their kids there and stuff. It's so creepy. Oh man. Hmm. I've had a. I. This isn't near where I live, but um, there's, there's this place in uh, I think North Dakota. I can't remember where it was. Um, it's a place called Waldrug. It's like in the northern part of the United States, uh, more to like the west area. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a wild guess, and it's in, it's in either North Dakota or South Dakota, but it's in Dakota. Yeah, it's the the Dakotas. Um, Dak- no, it's in Dakota. There's a North and South Dakota, the two different states. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, there's this place called Waldrug, and it's basically just a tourist trap for anybody that's like passing by the area. Um, it has like a bunch of shops and all that stuff. Um, they have like this uh, this dinosaur that roars. It, it, it's like it's like the, um, in the end of a hallway. Um, it's like entrapped with. Uh, with like guardrails to make you see to make it seem like it's like one of those Jurassic Park like type uh, uh, closures, and it's just like this really giant dinosaur that like looks back and forth, and every ten minutes it like roars and it's like really loud too. I think it. Oh. I think it even. I think when it roars, it like um, spits out steam, but like from a fog machine too. It's really insane. Oh yeah, I feel like I saw a dinosaur like that at the museum or something as well. That's pretty cool. Do people take their kids there and stuff? Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, kids love dinosaurs, and uh, I don't think they're going to be scared by a giant. I mean, I feel like they would be, but from a di- from a <laughs> well, distance, I would be. <laughs> from, from a distance, I think they'd be fine. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Well, I guess you take kids to the zoo to see like lions and stuff. That's true. I mean, it depends on the kid. Like some kids are aren't traumatized by that type of stuff, mm. but I think I think most kids yeah. uh, like to see dinosaurs. Yeah, no, no, that's a good point. Anyway, um, yeah, wow, that got <laughs> that got into a bit of a tangent, didn't it? Um, yeah. When so did you find out about speedrunning, or did you want to talk more about e-games, or move on to that? Yeah, I can talk about speedrunning. Yeah, so my my very first experience with speedrunning was actually um, a task of Super Mario sixty four. Zero star. Actually, no. It was a uh, sixteen star. It was a very old, uh, very old movie. Oh wow! For reference, it's actually the uh, the most viewed video on the Web Nation's YouTube video 
or YouTube channel. <laughs> and I and yes, I, I know I know what the site thinks of Web Nations, but mm-hmm. that, but that but that's how I but that's how I got into speedrunning. There was that one video that I saw that was like I just didn't know what was going on. It was like, how can you beat a game with with, with less than seventy stars? Because I I thought like you literally could not do that. You. you like the game just wouldn't allow you to beat the level or beat the game or something. So you saw this before any regular speedrunning as well. Well, my first my first experience with regular speedrunning, um, I was playing Ocarina of Time one day, and me and my brother were talking about like how long this game is, and then we wondered like what's the fastest way that somebody could beat this game, and we looked it up, and the world record was like twenty minutes. And we thought that was insane because, like, how can you get through all the cutscenes and all the uh, dungeons in, like, 20 minutes? And keep in mind, the concept of uh, of sequence breaks was, uh, we didn't really grasp the, that concept. So when we actually saw the speed run um, of that game, it was, like, they, they go to this one part and then they, like, talk to Navi and then they, like, fall through the floor. And we're like, what?! <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then there's and then there's one part where uh, where Link e- exits the uh, exits the shop and uh, uh, what, what was the what was the village called again? Uh, the very first village when Link le- leaves the uh, shop for there and then immediately like uh, um, air air slashes uh, the ground and then clips through it and then like swims all the way to the great Deku tree. And we were like, this is insane. How did somebody do this? <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that was probably one of the first runs I saw as well, despite not having played Ocarina of Time. It was very, very common speedrun. Yeah. And uh, the other... Although that really didn't really get... That didn't really get me into speedrunning itself. Um, what got me into speedrunning itself was actually like discovering GDQ. Um, and like seeing all these games and I was like, this really, this seems really cool. I want to try to find a speedrunner that I can watch, um, like just to see what they do. And the person that really got me interested in speedrunning was TGH, um, when he did, when he used to do Undertale runs, shout out to my boy, TGH. And, uh, it just kind of spiraled from there, um, to doing tasks of games I liked. Well, my first my first attempt at tasking was a, is a game that I'm still trying to figure out um, how to work with. It's an N64 game, just to give you context. Um, it was a game that I actually tried to speedrun at first. Um, it was Tigger's Honey Hunt, if you've ever, ever heard of that game. <laughs> wow. It's a no, very, I have not. It's a, it's, it's all, it only has six levels, but the levels are pretty long. And uh, the, the goal of the, of the game is to collect um, as, as much honey as you can. I mean, it, it's like it's like a collectathon, but then you have to like you have to collect a certain amount of honey in each level before you can leave it. So, like oh, so what? Six levels is in like a Super Mario sixty four sized level? Um, not really. I mean, it it, it it's a uh, it's a two a two point five D game. So it's a side scrolling game where you just have to like collect honey um, as you go along. And the only reason why the levels are, are so long is because Tigger kind of moves slowly, and also you have, you encounter like a bunch of cutscenes of 
um, some other animals in the woods. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I so, I didn't do that game. Um, I didn't. I never finished it because every time I had like finished the run, it would always desync somewhere late, later in the run, and I just kind of lost interest with it. And I was like, okay, mm. I'm just never gonna do tasking again because it just sucks. But then I like I tried doing other games, not N64, but like GBC and GBA, and I was like, whoa, this is actually stable. I can actually work with this. And uh, the the GBA game is the only one I ever finished. Um, And that was uh, (laughs) Dora the Explorer Super Spies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was my first experience with Tassin. I I, want to revisit that game one day because uh, it's been like two years since I made that. And I... And I know that there's a lot of mistakes I made in there. Like, I think there was at one point where I just stopped randomly um, to do, like, the uh, left-right movement. Like, do, like doing that in place. In a place where it really shouldn't be there. So. Also just want to do it to, like, see how much I've improved since that, since those two years. Mm. Yeah, I've had that experience, too. Like, go back to old Taz's and then it's surprising how much you've improved in optimization. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, were you on like Moopin when you were doing that Tigger game? Uh, I, I wasn't using Moopin. No, I was. Uh, this is like around like 2017. So, I'm pretty sure Moopin would have been de- deprecated by then. Good. So you're on Biz Bizhawk. Yeah, and also yeah. I'm pretty sure my, that old task was using Jabo as a video plugin when it should be uh, Gliden 64. I think what's what called. Mm. Because I've always found BizHog fairly stable, except for Pokemon Stadium minigames I tried to test once in a decent. Oh, you know what? Actually, recently I was trying to get the the uh, tool set to be run of that game to sync on the new BizHog, and the game straight up crashes if you try to be- do any battle. What Pokemon Stadium? Yeah, like like it's like once once the first Pokeball in the actual battle gets thrown, the game just crashes, and I have no idea why. Hmm. Wow. It, it's very strange. I don't know if it's but, because uh, of the video plugin I used, or it's just like something went wrong with the uh, core. That's interesting because I have a game that I was trying to get to work. I wonder if I go back to an older version, maybe it'll work. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> anyway, um, so we were talking about uh, some cute kid games like uh, Winnie the Pooh, Tigger's Honey Hunt, and then Dora the Explorer. Oh, yeah. So let's dive into a violent series, Splatterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quickly before you do that, I'm sure people would know, like, like, I'm always really impressed at how quickly you can Taz games. Just list off, like, like your Tazzes. Like, you've done heaps of Tazzes. Yeah. People probably know some of them. Yeah, so um, I've done Toy Story for the Super Nintendo and Genesis. I've done... Uh, was it i've done something called uh the incredible crash dummies on the genesis oh i didn't realize you did that task because i remember watching that and i was like oh yeah that's pretty good i didn't realize that was you it, it uh, was it was me and uh and someone named exxon and i think that's i think that's how you say it um so yeah, did you actually like full-on work on them with it or is it yeah i worked not- i worked with them with, on it we like exchanged uh files between each other and uh we i i uh 
I mostly look at some of the bosses because the bosses can have like weird, really weird properties when it comes to health. Like uh, the the boss will um, either like so like for example the third boss in the game the plain one um, you can manipulate him to land quickly quickly because um, even if you if you bring his health all the way down to negative two in in memory. Um, his, uh, he won't die unless he's on the ground. So if you can manipulate him to land on the ground faster, uh, then he dies pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, but normally he like stays in the air for like three cycles and, and before, uh, before he can like actually die. So the other thing that's weird is that if you throw too many wrenches at one point, the game will just straight up crash. Like there's just way too, like I, I don't. Like I don't, I don't think it has a sprite uh, cap or anything like that. Like instead of just lagging the game so much, it just straight up breaks. Hmm. So yeah, I've done, I've done uh, incredible crash dummies. Um, I've done uh, more recently um, Maria mode for Symphony of the Night on the Sega Saturn. Yeah, I'd imagine that would be one of your more popular ones, like uh, being such a popular game as well. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's a really fun game to do because uh, Maria, Maria just has like a lot of creative uh, ways you can move around and I'm very happy I did it mm. yeah definitely um, I'm scrolling through your list here as well so you've done Splatterhouse obviously I remember you were really into Bonk's Revenge on um, Turbo Graphics oh yeah oh yeah Bonk's Revenge um, Bonk's Revenge actually uh so Konami, because they own the rights to uh, to uh, Hudson Soft now, they actually just uh, announced um, a TurboGrafx-16 Mini, and it includes Bonk's Revenge. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a hundred US dollars right now, but I don't know if it's uh, what what it is for other regions. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't played it, but I have seen the Taz, and like, yeah, it seems like a pretty solid platformer to me. Oh yeah, it was really fun to do, and um, memory was uh, memory's been very obsessed with that series recently. Um, even even so much so, even so much so that like uh, there's this one sign in Bonk Three that she's doing um, that just says uh, "You love Bonk Three, and every every opportunity she can, she posts it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The other thing that she really likes about that game is uh, the end credits, and it says something like, uh, this is for all you Bonk kids out there. (laughs) (laughs) Every time she posts that, I'm just like, Bonk kids, rise up. Yeah, this is just for memory. That's what they meant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm seeing here as well, you like focused on Lion King for a bit, and I loved that, because then you tested Lion King on the Master System. Master System being like, one of my favorite consoles. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Master System so, is very, very different. The Master System version is very different to the other game. To the other game. So, uh, it, um, mm. I, yeah. But I, I love that because you're one of the few people who, um, like, has Taz the Master System game now. So that's, yeah. that's very nice. I, yeah. I, I try to. I, I want to do like a bunch of different systems in the same way that like people like a, a Delicat and Mothrace have done like a, a ton of different systems just cause I, I find, I find it interesting, uh, how those games operate and how they, uh, how they control. 
because like um i don't know i just i just find it really interesting to like see how other systems work uh, when it comes to how they like play games and uh i don't know i just find it really fun to do yeah, that's the thing. Like, I I tend to stick to master system, but it would be interesting. Thing that puts me off is like learning different emulation. Usually, if it's on Bizhawk, it's okay. Yeah, it. Shout out to Bizhawk for being a really good emulator for people to test on. Yeah, sh- definitely. Sh- shout out to Test Studio as well. <laughs> I'd love it if they got like a GameCube core in Bizhawk. That'd be really good. I don't think that's going to happen. I feel like. Uh, the Dolphin devs are just weights. Because, like, Dolphin has so many updates now that it's almost impossible for um, BizHawk to, like, keep up with all the updates. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like um, Dolphin would be more open at, to adding an input editor in the same way of, like, uh, Test Studio on Dolphin itself rather than just port it to BizHawk. Yeah, I'd love it if they added a Test Studio. Mm-hmm. It'd be awesome. But I don't think they focus on the testing as much as um, as we do. But it'd be awesome. I, I would definitely probably do more games if they had something like that. Not that I hate the old system, yeah. but it's just that the old system is not like the old method where you have to like use nothing but uh, re-record, nothing but uh, save states and like frame advance and stuff like that. I don't I don't dislike that. Some people prefer it. I it's just not as convenient. To work with well yeah like hyper resonance did the whole banjo taz using that method and he had taz studio completely ready to go if he wanted it and he loves that method so i think it's just personal preference but my my tassels would be nowhere near as optimal <laughs> i uh i just find taz studio to be a lot more convenient and especially where, where it's like i have something to do later today i can i can like do a, an entire level just in Task Studio. I don't think I can do that with the old method. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's difficult. Some people are just really good at it there. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, we should probably move on to talking about like Splatterhouse specifically. <laughs> After yeah. all these all these nice child friendly games, we should talk about Splatterhouse. So I think we talked a little bit about the ratings before, but basically like so what is this game? So this game is uh, this game was originally an arcade uh, uh, game in in Japan. It never really got a release outside of Japan, and that's mostly probably due to, to the graphic violent, <laughs> violence of the game. Uh, but it got ported to the TurboGrafx-16, um, and that's how it made its way to the United States. But what's interesting about the uh, about that port is that there was a few changes made that were uh, there, there, there was a few changes made to it uh, like for example Rick who's the uh, main guy does not look like Jason Voorhees anymore instead he, he just looks like a guy with a red mask because this series has a bunch of different references to uh, to many horror themed games or horror themed movies with uh, Jason Voorhees being one of them the Friday the 13th horror series. But uh, they knew well, that... And these probably... are movies from like the 70s and 80s, aren't they? Because this game was what, like 88, was it? Uh, let me Something take around a... there. Let me take a look. 
The only thing the TurboGrafx version was 88. I'm not sure about the arcade. 1988, that's what it says. Yeah, so all, this, all those slasher movies, they'll be all over those. Yeah, that's basically what it was. Um, so yeah, it, it, not only that was changed, but um, they also removed uh, all the religious references. Like, there's an entire battle, there's an entire bo- boss battle that takes place in a church. And the boss of that, uh, of that battle is an inverted cross. And then in the background, you can also see, like, crosses on all the pillars. Those were all removed in the uh, TurboGrafx-16 version. The other thing that, that, that they removed in that boss battle was when you defeat the boss, Rick will, like, walk up to an altar, and there'll be, like, church music playing. But they completely removed the altar, but they didn't put anything there to replace the altar. Because it, it, usually the camera's, like, supposed to pan to the altar, and then it shows, like, Rick praying or something like that. But in the Topographic 16, because that's removed, it just kind of looks out of context. And it just doesn't... It's like, what What are you trying to show me? There's, there's nothing there. Don't they still have, like, floating candles or something that wear on the altar as well? Yeah, they, they removed the altar, but not the candles that are supposed to be on. So it's like... What, Ridiculous. Why are those there? I feel like what they could have done for that scene is... Since they replaced the inverter cross with just with just a normal zombie head, what they could have done is just like had a pile of zombies over there or something. Because at least that would at least that would make more sense instead of just having nothing. Yeah, that would have worked out well actually. Why didn't mm-hmm. they do that? Mm. Yeah, but the candles the candles like kind of look like they're on the wall, but not really. Yeah, they're just they're just there. Yeah. It's it, it's it's implied. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So it's basically like a big horror mashup game, um, and they're stepping as close as they can to copyright without infringing on it. I yeah. Would say. And later in the series, they uh, decided that it probably isn't a good idea to have a mask that's similar to Jason Voorhees' mask. At least, like, if we're going to release this in the United States, so they decided to make it more skull-like um, as the series went on, and they had three different versions of the mask so they have the original jason Voorhees one um i i guess like if we're talking about american releases they had the uh the red mask and then they had a, a mask that looked incredibly like a skull and then they had a different one that almost looked like a skull but also had like a kind of unique look to it which was in uh splatterhouse 3 okay yeah so they got further away from jason each time did they yeah, so basically all all three masks were completely different in each game, and yet they were somehow the, the same mask. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Isn't there a bit of, like... Because, what is it, the end of the... what? It, so the mask is, like, giving him his powers and something, and then he loses it at the end of the first game and gets it back in the second? Something. So the story goes as um, Rick and his girlfriend Jennifer... Um, I think they're psychology majors in college, and for one of their projects, I think they had to like go study this weird house that was known as the Splatter House. Um, there's an entire cutscene that like shows them entering the house in the uh, in the arcade version, and uh, when they enter the house, you hear a scream that is implied to be coming from Jennifer. And Rick tries to like figure out where where she is, but then I think he gets knocked out somehow. And then when he wakes up, um, there's a mask on his face, and he's all, like, ripped. 
And I think the mask, like, tries to tell him, like, where his girlfriend is so he can try to save him. Or save her, sorry. Um, so, that's... It's not... I wouldn't say that this game is very story-heavy. Um, I mean, it's most, it's most like all these other uh, 80s video games where it was just like, here's a basic plot and summary, now just go play the game. We can certainly play through it without caring about the story, but I think if you delve into it, it does have a lot more of a story than I would expect. Yeah, and I think um, I think if you want like more of a story to this series, you probably want to go with the uh, with the 2010 reboot, which was on uh, Xbox 360 and uh, PlayStation 3. I don't know. I don't know much about that uh, reboot other than that it exists. <laughs> nice. So, anyway, um, I guess we can talk about the actual run now. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at your run, and it looks like, so there was Samsara had done uh, Taz, like, what, a 12, 15, 71. So, what was your motivation to go back and sort of improve? So, you improved it by about three seconds, and now you go to 212. What was well, your motivation there? Well, my I didn't I wasn't motivated at first to do the original game. I was actually first motivated to do uh, Slaughterhouse Two, and that was because uh, I looked at the game thread for Slaughterhouse Two on TaskVideos.org. Um, Aquas, uh, no, Affect. I, I don't know. I, I just say Aquas, even though that's not, that's not the actual name. Oh, Aquafaq. Yeah, yeah, that's a. So anyway, um, he made a post that basically said, like, um, there was a very easy 30-second time save you can make on the very intro of the game. And if you watch the uh, Splatterhouse 2 run, like the, the one that's published now, um, you'll see that Rick jumps up much earlier than he's supposed to. Um, and that allows me to uh, start doing my slide attack very, very quickly, um, which saved 30 seconds in that in that level alone. So I was motivated. Yeah. So I was, mo so I was motivated to uh, do that game uh, first. And so then I kind of got a little uh, sidetracked and I wanted to like ask uh, the world record run runner of that game, which is Zallard one. And he actually talked about um, how there's even like uh, another trick that you can do in this first game that could save a lot of time too. And that's what got me to wanting to do the uh, other game. The uh, the trick that he's mentioning is um, in the second stage on the boss, Sam Sarah um, kicked the chair enemy out of bounds. And when it goes out of bounds far enough, then the game just registers that as a kill. But that's not the fastest way to do it. The fastest way to do it is to just kick it into the corner and then slide kick into it. And that saved probably like um, 60 seconds. Or no, no, sorry, uh, 60 frames. I, I Okay. <clears throat> so that's what I basically did. Um, I was I was a major time save. And then, uh, then of course, like I had randomly gotten uh, a few extra frames ahead in some of the levels that I was just like doing. That I was just trying to wing them to see if I can get past them. It's pretty impressive that it was only like three seconds. It shows that the first one was fairly well optimized as well. Yeah, it was fairly. I mean, I don't know what 
really happened with how I got faster. I just kind of like did a bunch of guesses of to what looked faster or like what could theoretically be faster. Um, mm. It might just it might just come down to like small things that neither one of us uh, picked up on that I just happened to get slightly uh, slightly faster ahead. Yeah, and um, on Splatterhouse One specifically, is there any different so? With the English and Japanese version, I know that Japanese has the religious references and the white mask, but are there any, like, gameplay differences between English and Jap? Nope, there, there is not any, uh, the games are exactly the same, it's just that the, uh, sprites were changed to remove, like, the relig- religious references and the, uh, and making Jason not, uh, Jason, or, <laughs> I call him Jason. <laughs> uh... <laughs> You mean Rick, surely, not Jason. Who's Jason? (laughs) (laughs) To make Rick not look like Jason. (laughs) Um, But yeah, other than that, the games are the exact same. And and actually, for Splatterhouse 1, uh, there's two encodes available on the uh, Task Videos channel. That's one with uh, with the Task running on the USA version, and then the other one running on the Japanese version. So they completely sync between each other. Yes, they, they completely sync. They're the exact that same That is game. amazing. Wow. I was <laughs> surprised that the text didn't cause, like, slight RNG differences or something. Well, I mean, there's not really any text in this game. It's just... Uh, or the, it, you know, the religious stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't think changing, a, like, a background sprite or anything like that would really have a big effect on a syncability of the game. I think it just comes down to, like, Fixing bugs and stuff like that. I guess it depends what game it is, but yeah, you're right. It, one one issue that I had with uh, doing this game is that usually whenever I like do comparisons between uh, levels, I'll always like use the. Uh, so so do you know how like on Task Studio, whenever you like get to a loading zone, uh, the entire like all the frames will turn red. Oh yeah, yeah, that's so, always good to use as a reference. Yeah, you, I always use that as a reference to, like, see how far ahead I get. But this game does not have that. It, it just, like, most of the frames, if not all of them, are just uh, are green are green frames. So it was kind of difficult for me to, like, figure out how I'm going to do comparisons. Eventually what I did was uh, I just wrote, I just, like, put down markers in places where the, where the screen goes entirely black. And then just use that as a reference. Yeah, I'm often using visual frames because I'm like hesitant to trust the red frames as well. Mm-hmm. Either also, that or they're not there. Also, that's another reason why I like uh, using Task Studio rather than the old method is because comparisons like that are much easier to do. Mm, yeah, definitely. Also, Even another, the- another interesting thing about um, the TurboGrafx-16 itself when it comes to BizHawk is that for whenever... I don't know when it happened... But if you try to sync Samsara's old movie onto a newer version of BizHawk, theoretically it should sync, but it doesn't. And the reason for that is because uh, they switched around the one and two buttons in the uh, input in the input reader. So like where it's where you're, so like when you're supposed to press uh, the number two button, it actually presses number one because the buttons are switched around. <laughs> well. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So I'm not exactly sure what the reason for that is. Maybe it's just like for 
layout purposes or something like that. But either way, like movies made in older BizHawks are not going to work on newer ones. Not because of emulation, but just because of that. Ah, oh, that's crazy. Hmm. Has the emulation changed at all since then, though? When was Sam Sarah's as well? Um, hers was in uh, 2015, if I remember correctly. Okay. And, uh, yeah. I think I think she used like either 1.11 or 1.12. I'm I'm probably not I'm probably not right, but uh, it was around there. Mm. But uh, that that core doesn't really have very many uh, updates to it, and there's actually supposed to be another there's also actually supposed to be another audio channel that's supposed to play at the beginning where it has like a uh, drum sound effect, like a snare drum, but it's just not there and it's replaced with a hi hat. So, like if you uh-huh. if you play if you play it on PC Engine, which is the old uh, PC uh, emulator, it actually plays the audio correctly, like how it's supposed to be on an actual console. Does it sync? I don't. I wouldn't know. I haven't tried. I guess it's probably difficult to try as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I know somebody that, that has gotten some other of my movies uh, to sync on older emulators just for the heck of it. Because they're bored. Because they're bored or whatever. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it fascinates me that world of like console verification and other emulator testing. It's pretty over my head. Um, amazing what they can do. Actually, yeah, I was talking to a guy, um, Grease Monkey, at uh, ASM, and he reckons he might be able to get, like, one of my Crash Tazzes to sync on console. That could be, like, really insane. But we'll see. I really doubt that, just because disk disk space systems are pretty hard to do. Yeah, exactly. He reckoned he had some way to do it that was kind of non-traditional, but he was also talking about Master System. But anyway, console verification always amazes me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So also, like, I noticed between the first two games as well. Well, because you Taz like one and two, like the yeah. physics are different, weren't they? Um. So in in the first game, you have to constantly slide every single time that you make you uh you jump. Otherwise, you'll start losing speed. Like you can do um two frame perfect jumps after each slide, and you won't lose speed. But then every jump after that, um, you will lose speed. In Splatterhouse Two. If you just slide once and then you do frame perfect jumps all the way to the end, you'll you'll still be going as fast as possible. Like like uh, mm, yeah, I noticed that, and you're like able to turn around and stuff and face left while moving right really fast as well. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty fun to do. The, the way you have to so you'll lose speed um, in the air if you press any directional button, and uh, usually okay. it's it's just be- like like. It's, Is that it's in usually, games? Um, I don't remember if it was if that was the case for Spyro's One. I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, I think I think it was. Yeah, I'll have to look though. But I definitely know it was in Splatterhouse too. Yeah. So, so in, as far as Splatterhouse One goes, um, you, you it, when you when you do a slide uh, kick, you don't actually go double speed. Um, you go like probably. 1.5 times faster, whereas in Splatterhouse 2, you go two times faster. And uh, I, th- I, th- I think, and, I'll, and also for Splatterhouse 2 specifically, I think um, the movement for that game is a lot more sluggish than Splatterhouse 1, because in Splatterhouse 2, um, Rick kind of controls very slowly for whatever reason. 
Interesting, because just watching the two, I felt like Splatterhouse 2 was almost faster. That's probably because of all the auto-scrollers in number one, though. Yeah, Splatterhouse, Splatterhouse has a lot of, like, auto-scrolling uh, bosses and stuff like that. Mm. Is there much, like, lag reduction that you have to do in the auto-scrollers, though? Um, well, Splatterhouse 1 doesn't really have any lag that I have to worry about. Because, like I mentioned before, it, it almost every single frame is a, what, is a green frame. So there's no lag reduction um, have, that I have to do in there. But in Splatterhouse 2, there definitely is. Like, there's definitely a lot of, like, lag spikes. If you notice in, like, some, some of the later later levels, like uh, the ones with the uh, vomity deer heads, um, those have some really huge lag spikes. E- e- even even the, the one room where, uh, where you see, like, all the blue ghosts attacking you, that definitely has, like, a lot of... Uh, uh, lag in it yeah i remember that being quite laggy so maybe it, like there is lag but it doesn't show up as red frames or something i've definitely touts games like that before as well well if, if it if it if it did lag in splatterhouse one i just never noticed it because the game always seemed to run it at the exact same speed it's supposed to yeah it may even compensate for the lag as well like it could be that it speeds you up if you lag yeah, just like uh, Donkey Kong Country, or no, Donkey Kong sixty four. Yeah, yeah, and Banjo Kazooie to an extent. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I know. I know that uh, to kind of, to kind of go on on a tangent. I know that um, in Donkey Kong Country, or sorry, I'm so used to saying Donkey Kong Country. Um, for Donkey Kong Country, dang it, Donkey Kong sixty four. <laughs> I do remember that for Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong 64, Country 64, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, I do know that for Donkey Kong 64, um, that game was just so heavily... Um, th- th- that game is, like, so large that it's the it's basically the reason why they needed to have the expansion pack required. Because otherwise the game would crash because there would be no um, RAM space for it. Because... Uh, mm. They, uh, I think, yeah, they they do actually, like, use it in the end. It's not just to avoid the crash, but, yeah. Maybe they made that decision, and then they, like, started adding more stuff. I don't know. That game's very interesting to me, just because um, of how they had to program it. And it's also really funny just to see um, the running joke of, this game has no walls. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, sure it's really good as a speed game because of that. I'm sure Ring Rush has told you all about this in this podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. My brother, Isotage, is, like, super into it as well. So, yeah, I hear a lot about it from him. Yeah, no, apparently, I think that rumor about the whole crashing with expansion pack thing is a bit wrong. Like, they do actually use that extra RAM for useful things, not just to avoid crashes. But, yeah. I'm sure it probably would crash if you didn't have it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, this is the Donkey Kong 64 episode, part two. <laughs> from, a, from a guy from a guy who doesn't run it or he doesn't test it at all <laughs> that's right I, i've played it casually i'm clearly qualified yep <laughs> yeah. yeah so okay so i guess in Splatterhouse one we talked about like the improvements with the chair did you find any like new tech so i mean it was only like three seconds but was there any other macro scale things um there was one for the uh for the church boss i mentioned before um, so the way that that level ends is that there's like a certain timer 
after Rick gets to the altar, that the uh, final music, like the one that goes like, that will, um, so like, so like, let's say that as soon as Rick gets to uh, the altar, then that music will play like 10 seconds afterward. Um, if you, if you are, if you, if you get to the altar too late, uh, then the level will take a little bit longer to, uh, to get done. Because the level only ends as soon as that music's done. And that music uh, will start to play... T- well, it will technically start to play as soon as Rick gets to the uh, uh, to the altar, but it won't actually like play anything uh, until, like say, 10 seconds afterward. Yeah. So, so in Samsara's task, um, she killed the boss... Um, a little bit too far away from the altar, whereas I tried my I tried my best to kill the boss and get as close to the altar as possible, and that saved probably like uh, thirty frames. So that was a okay. uh, it wasn't it wasn't as big of a time saver time saver as uh, uh, the second stage boss, but it was a pretty good one. The other change that um, uh, that I made was uh, well, it wasn't really a change, but it was just more like I had better RNG. Uh, for one of the late, later bosses, like the the second to last stage, um, the level that has like a bunch of baby fetuses that come and, and attack you, uh, those can usually that will uh, ruin your uh, pattern for attacking the boss because like uh, sometimes they can grab onto you as you're sliding, and then they can harm you and prevent you from keep from doing a slide attack again. So I had managed to get a good RNG seed that allowed me to continuously attack the boss without having to worry about taking damage. Because I'm pretty sure Sam Sarah actually took damage when she was attacking the boss. And I'm pretty sure it's because she had a different RNG value than I did. Is that slow if you take damage? It is slower, yes. Because uh, the the method for attacking that boss is to uh, slide kick and then jump in the air and then kick in the air and then slide kick again. And if, if, if that gets ruined by any uh, uh, enemy nearby, then it can cost you probably like a half second or 30 frames, I guess. Okay. Yeah, so you saved a bit of time there. Um, what about other tech? So you said you like sliding around a lot. Are there any other major glitches that are helping you speed this up? Not not just from Samsara's, but like ones that Samsara used as well. Um. I can't really think of any off the top of my head. Most of it was like just trying to see if what she did really mattered at all. Like, uh, I think I think most, mostly it was just like I had a better understanding of how to manipulate the enemies to go around me. Because in one, in one of the uh, levels, uh, I think it was like the level, the very, like two rooms after the uh, the church boss, there's like this hall that has a bunch of enemies that uh, can like jump at you. Um, I was able to make it so that uh, they wouldn't get my way as I was trying to do slide kicks, so I wouldn't lose any speed at all. Because I because I remember Sam Sarah having to attack some of them as she went through those enemies, but I was able to do slide kicks so that so that so that both of them would just jump over me and I wouldn't have to worry about them. Oh, that's cool. Also, that's the only place in the game where you can actually go twice as fast as you normally walk. Uh, is that the one with the slopes? Yes. If you uh, if you walk down those, they make you go like tw- twice as fast. 
And can you retain that speed at all, or do you lose it as soon as you leave the slope? Uh, you can retain it somewhat, but as I said before, like um, you can't really bunny hop in this game, otherwise you will lose speed. So if, if there was a way to retain that speed, I'm pretty sure I would have done it. But, I mean, who knows? If I, if I, re, if I revisit this game, I might find, like, a faster strat that uh, makes me save, like, five or six frames more. Yeah, that could be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, how do you go about, like, manipulating the RNG uh, if you need different RNG? Um, well, for the... Uh, for the one of the last few bosses in particular, um, there's a room in that same state in, in this in a there's a room in the stage previously. Um, so it has it, it, it has like three different uh, zombies that attack you and then there's this witch person that uh, that will revive them. And that for some reason, is what manipulates the RNG, like the frame that you kill that witch on. Okay, so there's not much point doing it, like, slowing down. Yeah, so, like, you can, um... What do you mean by slowing down? Like, you might not want to get different RNG, because that means you would have to slow down an early bit. Well, I mean, the one with the witch, that that's an auto-scroller level. So it doesn't really matter like how fast. I mean, I, I guess it does matter um, when I kill it. But when what mostly matters is like if I'm able to kill it and then get to the uh, end of the room as fast as possible. So uh, depending, on, I guess like depending on what frame you kill the witch on, it will manipulate RNG because that was the only boss that I could find that really did um, give me a different value of RNG for later levels. Okay. Yeah. And what about, like, overall, like, glitches? Are there many glitches in the run at all, or uh, is it fairly standard and just well-optimized? I would say it's ver- it's fairly standard. Um, there's a few, like, things that you're not really supposed to do, but I wouldn't really consider them glitches. I would just consider them, like, more exploits or something like that. Actually, no, there, there, is, there is one glitch. I actually just re- remembered this. Um, it's, in, it's, it's in the church boss. Um... So, the way that that box works is that, um, so it's going, it's going in, in like an up and down motion. And once it gets to the bottom of the screen, when you get to the end of the room, it will start to do an arc that will like move upward around you almost like a rainbow. If you, if you prevent, so if you, if you hit the boss while it's still in the, in the up and down state, it will freeze previously, but then it will get back to like where it was supposed to be if it wasn't being hit. And what that does is that it, it can actually skip um, the position that it needs to be in to do that um, overarching movement. And the only way for, for me to, to attack the boss without making it get to that uh, to that point as soon as uh, as soon as I get to the end of the room is to <clears throat> stop going the fastest uh, movement possible, which is to slide kick and jump, and then just and instead, just to walk to the end, uh, to, to hit the boss. So, theoretically, you have to really not go the fastest uh, movement in the game, in that one room in particular, to beat that room in the fastest way possible. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I imagine that would, like, 
So it may be a glitch, but it probably looks like fairly normal gameplay from an outsider's perspective without being really familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say it's accurate. And does this game have the, or is it Splatterhouse 2 that has the glitch where you go off the left side of the screen and underflow or something? That's a, that's two. Yeah, that's two. Yeah. Okay. And in Splatterhouse 1, I remember seeing like, you had this auto scroller where you had this spear weapon and you kept picking it up and you had like heaps of them. Is that a glitch or is that just something you're able to do? That's just something I'm able to do. I, I guess if I guess if you want to consider this a glitch, um, if you have so many sprites on screen, it just will like make other sprites disappear. Yeah, because you had some funky play around with those. Yeah, I would just say that's more of a uh, sprite a sprite limit rather rather than a glitch. It's just to uh, make the game run fast. Although you can change the uh, the Bisoc settings so that you can uh, so that the sprites don't disappear like that. Although, uh, for tool assisted, uh, for, for task videos, publications, they have to, uh, have that limitation active. Yeah. Cause they would disappear on an actual TurboGrafx 16. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I liked Splatterhouse 1. It was a really fun game to do. And then I eventually did Splatterhouse 2, which was, uh, even more fun. The only thing that wasn't fun about that game was the lag. The lag absolutely was terrible. So does it actually show up with red frames in Splatterhouse 2? Yes, it, it absolutely is. And one of the issues that I had with doing the Splatterhouse 2 game was because I was trying to compare against... Uh, is, that, is that how we said it? The, is that I, right? the, <clears throat> the guy that did the previous task, Aquifers. Yeah. Is that how we said Aquifer. it? Aquafuck. Sorry, Aquafuck. AQFAQ. Aquafuck. So anyway, he was the runner of the... He was a tasker of the old the old tasks that I was obsoleting. But he used gens. And if you know anything about gens, first off, you know it's terrible. The other thing is that gens is very low on its accuracy for lag in particular. I mean, like, you, ha- you had the standard, like, uh, loading takes less time than on a more accurate emulator. But the other thing is that lag is, like, very rare in gens. So, if you're, if so I'm you're playing to... at a disadvantage here, then. Yeah, so my, so, yeah, so my disadvantage would be to having an optimized lag. And I feel like I did a pretty good job at doing that. And you ended up actually ahead in the end as well? Um, no, I was I was, like like one or two or three seconds behind. And that was only because of uh, emulation differences. Um, yeah, but it was actually played better. Yes, yeah, so it was played better. If, if you, if you sync the, uh, if you were to put, take the old task and make it sync on a more accurate emulator, then my, my movie would be much faster. So it says like 128 frames here. Is that, do you reckon it would be that much faster if they were on the same emulator? Yeah. Okay, so you said there was like 30 at the start or something, 30 frames at the start. Where are you saving the rest? Um, 30 frames at the start. And then uh, later, I had discovered um, a method of... So, in the second level in particular, uh, right before you get to the boss, um, there's this area where as soon as you enter that zone, 
um, Rick will just start moving forward on his own, and it will be it will, and it won't be at the uh, sliding speed. Um, instead, uh, he'll he'll just be going at a, at a normal walking speed. So what I was able to do, and actually, first off, let me explain. Um, so in this game, if you were to press the the attack button at a turbo at a, a turbo precision, so like every other frame, you can freeze any any sort of animation that. Uh, Rick has at that moment. So, like, if he was walking and then you press that button a bunch of times, then he'll just like stay in that position that he was in. So, so this, so this could be useful for uh, um, for attacking. So, like, if you were doing a slide kick, then you can keep the slide kick animation, and the hitbox for his kick will still be there. So, you can use that to like continuously hit enemies. You can also um, jump in the air while you do that. Yeah, because I was going to say you're like sliding in the air somehow, and so this is how you do it: you mash the attack button. Is that right? Yes, that's basically what's going on. And uh, so, so anyway, um, the room before the second uh, stage boss, what I was able to do was to jump in the air as I was doing that slide, and that keeps my speed um, at at double speed for a little bit longer. Just so I can get to the end faster. Yeah, it was it, it was one of those things I was really proud of because it's like I don't think anybody's ever thought of this. Nice. Yeah. So um, if you like keep your slide animation, then you keep your slide speed. Is that right? Um, not exactly. If if you jump as you uh as you keep that slide animation, like you can preserve it. Um, okay. Yeah. Having having the slide animation while uh, like preserving the slide animation itself won't preserve the speed, but if you um, jump and then preserve that slide animation, uh, then it will keep your speed. Hmm. Nice. So, how much did that save? Just that bit. Um, I actually don't remember if I ever wrote it down. I'm, I'm gonna take a guess and say like probably uh, ten or twenty frames. Hmm, nice. Yeah, it was a nice uh, time save, basically. Um, yeah, that was uh, one of the things I found. Most of most of the time, it was also just like me fixing um, uh, some areas that just very obviously were slow. Like there was a, there was one point where um, the old task jumped way too late, and so he wasn't able to keep the uh, the double speed. I think it was like around the uh, the doctor boss or the. Uh, Forget, forget the, forget. There's a villain in this game, but he doesn't show up until the uh, the rebooted uh, Splatterhouse game. But he makes an appearance in Splatterhouse too. But you just, but it's implied that you don't know who he is. I think he's uh, Al, Al, Albert West. I can't remember the actual name. I I know that he's uh, based on. So since this game is about uh, horror references, um, that doctor is uh based on Herbert West for Reanimator. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I'm not very familiar with that actually. I've never seen it, but I just I just know that the uh, that trivia that that's yeah. what the that's what the uh, guys reference referenced as. So yeah, um there was mistakes like that that uh I was able to pick up on. And uh I don't, I don't know if there's really much else to say about improvements. It was just um it wasn't as much as uh, 
as I got with Splatterhouse 1, but it was still quite a bit. Yeah. And you, you removed some inappropriate jokes as well, which shall not be maimed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all I'll say is that it's in the uh, second to last boss in the game. Sure, yeah, definitely. It's just, it's just, it's just I, I didn't really find it tasteful. Yeah, I don't know. Make it more family friendly, anyway. I mean, why not? Yeah, make make it more family friendly in a very violent series. Yeah, yeah make a gory <laughs> horror game more family friendly. That's right. <laughs> yeah, the gore is fine. It's just that one joke we cannot stand. The children no, definitely the, not. The children will be traumatized. <laughs> I, I think you still had good play around in there, anyway. So, so that's fine. And this game has some weird glitch where you go off the left side of the screen after a boss. Um, that was pretty confusing when I watched it. Could you explain what's going on there? Okay, so so like the other rune I was talking about where I did that uh, jumping up slide kick to get to the end of the room faster, um, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is a cutscene oh, so trigger. that was an optimization for that glitch. Technically, yeah. So basically there's an entire um, cutscene trigger like in that whole area at the end. And what I do is I try to trigger that cutscene trigger as I'm sliding in the opposite direction. That way, um, when the uh, when the cutscene is triggered, then the ending will also be triggered as well. So if I, if I slide to the other side, I can wrap around, and a little bit of my hitbox gets to the exit because of the wraparound, and it ends a level um, right away. So that's basically what's happening. It's basically me like trying to trigger the cutscene so then the ed- so then the exit will spawn, and then as soon as I uh, wrap around the screen, then the level just ends. At least that's how I understand. It. Okay, very good. Yeah, and that was in Aquacks Taz as well. Yeah. Also, uh, I don't think I would have actually been able to figure that uh, skip out. If I didn't randomly uh, find a Lewis script that was made for this game specifically, included with Bizhawk, because apparently Bizhawk has a bunch of uh, Lewis scripts um, included with each emulator, and oh wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so like, there's one for because uh, because it was nice too because it uh, it like it had a hitbox uh, viewer for all the enemies, which made it really helpful, and it actually was able to. Let me understand what was going on in that uh, in that cutscene skip. Mm. There's um yeah. So if you if you like looking, yeah, I can pull this up real quick to see where it is. So if you open up any Bizhawk file or Bizhawk folder, so like let, let's say I'm opening up a two point three point one right now. Um, if you open up uh, tools, oh wait, no, that's not it. If you open up any sort of uh, Oh yeah, yeah, it's under Lua. So you can find a folder that that has yeah, yeah. You can find a folder that has like um, Lua scripts for Genesis, N64, NES, PCE, SNES, and then uh, and yeah. So yeah, cool. I see it in here too. Well, there you go. I did not know that. Yeah. So is there a difference between the Japanese and US version for number two Um, in terms of sync friendliness? I for sync friendliness, it won't it won't work because. uh, they so the hard the hard mode for the Japanese version um, has only one heart, so it's a it's a one hit KO for the hard version of the Japanese version, 
But for the United, for, for the U.S. version, it's only two hearts, which means you can take one hit, but then no more hits after that. Uh, so it'd be slow. Would it? it would. It would be. It would be slightly slower because there are a few points where I have to take damage uh, to go fast, which is, which includes the uh, the second to last boss. Yeah, that's fair enough then. Yeah. And I suppose if Alphac did it on US as well, you want to follow that same trend if you're trying to obsolete their test. Yeah, and I mean, I'm pretty sure a Japanese version of the game would be interesting to see. Just because, like, they don't... They actually don't change the mask to be uh, to be more skull-like. They keep the... Uh, they keep the hockey mask look. Although, I, wouldn't, I don't know if it's really more of a hockey mask. It, it just kind of lo- looks more... Um, smooth white, almost like they removed like the uh, facial um, holes on the bottom of the mask, which is usually what a hockey mask would have. But it's it's it's, it's interesting. There's also a ROM hack of uh, of this game that basically replaces all the uh, sprites in the game to look more like the uh, the classic Rick, which is pretty interesting. I don't. I, uh, I look more like the movies. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, actually, no. It's a it's it's a ROM hack where you can play as Jason Voorhees. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you are playing as Jason already, aren't you? Nah, yeah, maybe. I mean, legally, we're, we're, we have to say no. No, it's Rick. Yeah. <laughs> it's Rick. Yeah. Um. Is there much of a difference between like the arcade game and the Turbo Graphics one for Splatterhouse One as well? Um, like, yes, there is. Speed running. There is actually, and mm-hmm. uh, just one word to describe it: lag. The the arcade version uh, is much more laggy than the other one. Uh, any interest in testing it there? Um, yes, but I do not want to deal with Maine, at least at this point. Um, That's is, fair enough. Yeah, there there are plans to. Uh, and it's not because uh, of the uh, traditional method. It, there's a few other reasons why I kind of st- uh, stay away from main, and it's just because of how the uh, emulator is set up. It's a little bit confusing, which I don't know if I'm really willing to put up with. But uh, there are plans, and I don't, and I don't know when it's supposed to happen. But there are plans to get main into Bizhawk, which will be very helpful because that way I'll actually be more motivated to do that game. But I. But I don't know when it's supposed to happen. I just know that um, Theos is uh, having a little bit of, d- of difficulty uh, putting it in because it, like, normally you could just water box cores like that into Bizhawk, but this is a little, a little bit different because main kind of works differently depending on which game uh, you put in. Because, of course, Arcade will have different properties. It's not like uh, uh, Super Nintendo or, or Genesis where, like, um, you just the, the emulator will run the games like exactly the same. Like there's different uh, boards that Main has to actually be able to support to be able to play games. So it's pretty amazing they can even make an emulator for arcade. Like honestly, I think it'd be so varied. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. So any how about any plans to test like latest Splatterhouse games in the series? Well, right now I have started uh, testing out Splatterhouse Three because uh, Splatterhouse Three is a much, much different from the uh, original games. It's actually more of a beat 'em up than uh, 
than a side-scrolling game. Like it, it's more in like the same realm as uh, as something like Streets of Streets of Streets of Rage. Um, where 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 like you can you can act, yeah where you can actually like move up and down left and right. But uh, it's been it's been interesting to do so far. So I'm excited to see uh, how how it'll get. The other thing that's interesting about that game in particular is that there's actually a few different endings to the game, and 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 it all depends on like how fast you complete the game. So, well, I assume you, I know what ending you're getting then. Yeah, the best ending, because because it's actually the fastest ending too. Oh, that's convenient. Very convenient, yeah. Because like the way that the game works is that um, in almost every single level, there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a time limit to. Uh, well, I guess I, the time limit doesn't really like prevent you from uh, finishing the game. The time limit. Uh, so the whole idea is that the slaughterhouse has become your house, and you're, both you, both Jennifer and your son, are captured by these people, and uh, you have to go save them in time before they like uh, get killed off or um, they just like turn into zombies because. I know that like um, there's one level where if you don't save, uh, if you don't get to Jennifer in time in the first level, uh, she will be infected by a boar a boar worm, and if you and you have you like you still have a chance to save her, but you have to defeat the next level in like before a minute is left on the timer. Otherwise, she will become a mindless zombie. So it's pretty. It's a pretty dark. It's. Like compared to the other games, it's actually very dark because there's actually some risk involved in uh, how you play the game. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds really weird. Uh, was that on like Genesis as well? Yes, it was. And a remi- reminder: this is the this is the game that was rated MA thirteen, not MA seventeen. And it was also the game that was featured. It was also the game that was that was slightly featured in the Senate hearing for violence in video games. It was retrospectively given a higher rating on the Wii VC as well, wasn't it? Um, I don't know if, if uh, Spider-House 3 was, but I definitely know that Spider-House 2 was given a mature rating on the Wii VC. It was the only hmm. game it was it's the only game on on the Wii VC that was rated M. I think Spider-House 1 was on there as well, but I think it was only rated T. Which is uh, 13. I wonder for, if it would be better for speedrunners to use that like maybe there would be less lag on Wii VC. Uh, I have to ask Zeller about it. Um, I think he's, uh, talked about it, but I don't think, cause, uh, mostly he's, uh, doing runs on the arcade board because he recently just got one. Uh, oh, cause, wow. Cause, uh, he was, uh, he was mostly just playing it on, uh, his switch before. Hmm. And I think, I think, I, I think you can actually get the, uh, the arcade game on your Wii VC, but you have to. Hack your uh your Wii to uh be region free or something like that because I think I think I think it, the oh, arcade yeah. version was only available for Japan. That's a bit of a shame because it seemed like a pretty nice version, but yeah, I guess they um, wouldn't know what their religious stuff in there too. Yeah, but I mean, you can you can still play the arcade version on the Switch with the uh with the Namco collection. Which, funny enough, that Namco collection normally should be rated E for everyone. But because Slaughterhouse was included, they had to rate a T, 
just because Splatterhouse was included. Wow. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You'd think they wouldn't include it at that point. Yeah. I mean, I think most people that play these old games are uh, fairly older anyway, so I don't think any kid is going to mind. Well, yeah, young kids probably aren't super into arcade collections, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, and even like uh, if you're going to include a game like that, you might want to have a warning at the beginning saying like this game is not suitable for uh, younger kids or something like that. Because like, for example, the Rare Replay for the Xbox One, the Rare Replay for Xbox One, because it included uh, some more mature rated games, like I think uh, uh, Perfect Dark and uh, and Conquer's Bad Fur Day, since those games are rated uh, mature. Uh, they had a warning before you played them saying this game is not for kids or something like that. So I feel it like was Rare Replay overall rated them because of that as well. Yeah, it wasn't rated. Uh, it had a special rating. It was rated E to M. Like it, like it had a special like um, thing for for the ESB where it showed both E dash M on it. Since oh, it was that's a, cool. Since yeah. this is a collection of games, right? I think uh, the Super Nintendo, the, the Super Nintendo Classic, did the same thing, where it had E to T. Yeah, that makes sense. I forget which games were uh, rated T on the uh, on the Super Nintendo. Though, I'll have to take a look. It's probably something like uh, like Chrono Trigger or something. I feel like Super Metroid may have got a, like a higher rating than like. You know what? I'm gonna look that up real quick because now I'm curious. See what yeah. uh, Super Metroid rating was. Might have been like a PG or something. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna say probably like either E or just E ten plus. Yeah. It was rated E. It was rated. It was rated E for the uh, Wii and Wii U versions. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know why I thought it was high then. Let me take a look and see if the Chrono Trigger is rated higher. Oh, I love Chrono Trigger. I still have to get back to that. Yeah, Chrono Trigger's rated T. That's probably what's going on. Oh, wow. I'm actually surprised. It seemed fairly tame to me. I mean, I think it's tame, I think, I, but I think it's like uh, certain aspects of it. Actually, wait a minute. Okay, so Chrono Trigger's rated E for the Super Nintendo, and then Chrono Trigger's rated E10 Plus for the Nintendo DS. Uh... For the, I, I can the, see Lavos being a little bit scary, but... Yeah, the Wii is uh, everyone turning up. Chrono Trigger for the PlayStation 3 and PSP was rated teen. And then for PlayStation 3, PSP, PS Vita and PSP was rated teen. So I guess maybe, uh, so I guess, I, I guess maybe ESOB wanted to have it a higher rating. So you just went with that. Actually, no, wait a minute. I don't, no, Chrono Trigger wasn't on the uh, classic. I'm stupid. I'm sorry. I, uh, should have been. <laughs> it definitely should have been. It was, it's a great game. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, I'm going to look up the games. I, I want to figure out which game is causing the... This, this is completely off the topic yeah, it's anyway. Got, it's got to be a really obvious, like a Mortal Kombat or a Street Fighter or something. Contra 3 was on there. That could be it. No, that's, that's, that's E10+. Ugh. What are they doing? I think I know why Super Metroid was higher. It's because I was thinking of um, Breath of the Wild, which is M, which always surprises me. Oh, okay. I think Ocarina of Time might be high-ish. I don't know. Okay, so Super Castlevania is on there. 
Uh, that could do it. E10 plus. <laughs> E10 plus. Uh, mm. Wait, Doom was on there? You kidding me? Final Fantasy 3, uh, PSP is rated teen. Uh, that'll be it, I reckon. I still need to play that. <laughs> oh well, that's not important. Well, we just know that there's some suggestive uh, games on there, but not too much to um, hurt the child. Um, anyway, anything you wanted to talk about still with the um, Splatterhouse 1 and 2 testing? Eh, I think we covered most of it. It's more the game itself that's more interesting to me than the actual game, than the actual gameplay, like just the history. Yeah, it's pretty like pretty obscure and um, yeah, certainly interesting hidden gem. It's hard to imagine that this is by the same company that made Pac-Man. <laughs> wow, was it really far out? Mm. Yeah, uh, Pac-Man and uh, Mappy and all that stuff. Oh, so it's actually Namco. Mm-hmm. Wow. By the way, why why is it that in Japan they're referred to as Namcot? I never understood that. I don't know. That is really weird, isn't it? Huh. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. It's it's kind of weird. Hmm. Cool. And um, any other like speed runs or tazas you would want to recommend for the listeners? Um, I guess I would probably recommend uh, Tai Two. Um, oh, for, for the GBA. interesting choice. Yeah, very yeah, good. <laughs> very interesting choice. Uh, it's like um, Mario 64, um, but if uh, if backdashing was the only method of movement. Mm. Yeah, so that was made by, what, Mittens and some other guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, probably, cool. he's probably some loser. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And any others that you'd recommend or any speedruns? Um. Well, there's one that's going to be submitted very very soon um, by by memory. Um, it is the third box uh, game on the on the TurboGrafx sixteen. Been a game that she's been very very invested in, um, and uh, I think it's going to be a great one. Probably pro- probably probably better than a, probably better than uh, Bonk one and two combined. <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah, there's some random guy who did those as well. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's probably kind of awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so what are you working on now? Still working on Symphony of the Night, I suppose? Um, taking a break from that just because there's a little bit of issue going on with uh, one of the bosses I'm trying to fight. So, just trying to take a break from that. Um, right now, um, I'm finishing... Well, I guess we're trying to push through um, the Lion King on Genesis with uh, Tamba. Oh, nice! Yeah, he was um, he was very uh, against doing. Uh, I, I I guess he wasn't against doing the, the that version, but um, I know that he hates the uh, the sound of Genesis. So it's uh, <laughs> uh, if you if you if you just turn off the sound, I, I'm sure he's fine, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't dislike the Genesis. I actually love the Genesis sounds. It's a. Uh, it's very unique. Works really good for games like Ace when it's a bit more of a rocky, metally soundtrack. Absolutely, and I think um, it, it definitely works very well. I, I like my favorite Genesis soundtrack is the one for Decap Attack. 
Like that's a very rockin' uh, soundtrack, especially the uh, in, in the in, the introduction theme. I, I like I, I love that one so much. Cool. Yeah. So you're working on um, yeah, and we all we're working on Sonic Two at the moment on the Master System. I think like um. I'm keen to get back into that eventually. I got a bit demotivated at one point, but yeah, I've still got to have a look at some of the frames that you saved there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, that game's very strange. I, I I think it's very different from the uh, from Sonic One on the Sega Master System. Oh it, yeah, it's it, pretty similar to Chaos, though. So yeah, yeah, it's um, it has a very very strange movement. Like for one, for whatever reason, the uh, the in-game timer does not work. On certain uh, emulators, like it's completely different um, if you played it on something like Dega, and the speed run itself, like like the RTA speed run, it's also completely off, and I have no idea why. Yeah, which is why it's hard for us to compare to Mike eighty nine's tasks as well. Yes, and especially because like most Sonic tasks have to go by in game time because the uh, of the score screen at the end. Don't worry, I'll make him go for real time minus time bonus. We'll work yes. around it. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> mm, cool. So where can everyone find you? Uh, I assume social media, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, whatever. Yeah. As so, videos. Um, my Twitter is easygame69, just as it is. Um, uh, I'm, I'm mostly available to talk to on Discord. If you go to the uh, the to, uh, taskvideos.org uh, Discord. My YouTube channel is also Easy Game Sixty Nine, but with the space between Easy Games and Sixty Nine, got nothing else to really promote. That's all I got. Cool. And so you don't like stream, do you? Just like work offline and then upload? I usually work offline, although once in a while, if I'm up for it, I'll stream. Um, but uh, I'll usually tweet about it. If uh, I'll usually tweet about it or post about it on, in Discord if I'm streaming, but I don't do it very often. I just do it when it's like, when it feels right. Yeah, it's a bit hard to test stream sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. Hope you enjoyed it. And I hope it, like Splatterhouse and your Tazers get some well-deserved attention as well. Uh, I certainly had a lot of fun finding out about this series. I didn't really know about it beforehand, but I'm surprised it's not more popular than it is. Hmm. Yeah. It's... um. It's very cool. Also, um, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, the Splatterhouse Speedrun Discord, which is something I, I recently created. Um, we are a very small uh, community right now, but we're slowly we're slowly growing about this. We're slowly growing. Um, we got a few new runners um, for the game, including uh, Stormcrow fifty six k, and uh, yeah, it's 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 becoming a, a very friendly community. Um, also, we recently just had uh, one of the games run at uh, GDQ, which was uh, a game we forgot to talk about, which I don't know if, we, if it's even worth it, worth to talk about. Um, Splatterhouse Wampaka Graffiti. It's a, a chibi spinoff um, on the NES, which is not very violent at all. It's much more lighthearted. But uh, uh, Stormcrow 56K got a world record in that run at GDQ. Oh, nice! And, uh, also, I want to get. Also, I want to give another quick shout out to uh, Lat Mackey, who uh, did the uh, Bonk's Revenge tasks at GDQ, 
which got me into uh, doing um, the task for Box Revenge. And then also he was speedrunning Splatterhouse as well, which also got me interested in doing the Splatterhouse series itself. So, Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. He also did commentary for the uh, for the Wampaka Graffiti run too, so he was pretty good at it. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they'll be glad to hear that if they listen. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Hope you enjoyed. And um, yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Welcome. See you later. See ya.